right, welcome to Run Past the Brain Cell, episode two. I'm Adam Skirko, alongside Jake Miller. And Jake, football is back. About freaking time. Summer was getting a little too clingy and a little too boring for me. Yeah, I, I've been waiting for this for a while. We've already had one game in the books. Thursday night football, Chiefs, Lions. I told you that I thought the Lions could win that game. And lo and behold, they did end up winning it 21 to 20. So my thoughts on that game were pretty straightforward. Neither team played all that well. Both teams looked sloppy. They looked rusty. I definitely thought that Casey's pass rush was a lot better than I thought it would be, even without Chris Jones. They didn't get a ton of pressures on the stat sheet, but Goff did not look overly comfortable during that game. He definitely had some instances where he looked lost, especially the play calling. I was watching the game with my dad, which I do for the most part. And he and I just thought towards the end of the game on that fourth and two with, I think, like two and a half or about two minutes left, actually, now that I think about it. Fourth and two, we thought, oh, just run that ball. If you're going to throw it, try and find like a dump down. And they're very lucky that Justin Reed went up to swat the ball because for a moment, I thought he could have picked it because he, he was right in front of that ball. He just jumped right in Goff's face. But overall, I thought both teams didn't play all that well. I thought, though, that Aiden Hutchinson, he probably could have had three, four sacks, um, if not for Juwan Taylor, which we'll touch on here in a moment. And another um, thing is, if he was facing almost any other quarterback besides Mahomes, he probably would have got at least two minimum. Oh, for sure. I really liked how he was generating a very consistent pass rush. Not much else from anyone else, though. And the O-line of the Lions, they did not play well in the first half. I thought them running the ball was a little sloppy outside of Jameer Gibbs hitting the edge, which I, I like Jameer Gibbs. I think he's going to get a big role moving forward. His speed was just electric. And even more, early on in that first drive, I loved the fact that they were handing the ball off to him, and he eat some big hits and he'd stay on his feet and he'd still get about a yard or two more before he got pushed out of bounds he's thicker than i thought he was he can actually take some hits he's about 195 almost on the verge of 200 pounds he's definitely a smaller back but he's more condensed he's more shifty than a power back but he has a surprising amount of power behind him for his size and I think a really good comp that you could kind of give away would be Darren Sproles, but a little bit bigger. Because he's pretty shifty like Sproles, and he can catch the ball just like Sproles. Sproles was much smaller, granted, but Sproles packed a lot of punch in that tiny frame. Yeah, Jameer Gibbs is listed 5'9", 199, so he is pretty much 200 pounds with a little bit of water in him. And... He looked he looked like he played a little bit bigger because he definitely could eat some hits that I thought would have put him straight down. The running game definitely picked up more in the second half because that O-line really stepped up. They what I liked is they got a little bit out of running straight up the gut a little bit because anytime they ran up the middle, they were only getting two 
at most three yards. It looked sloppy, but I think that once you saw a little bit more creativity in the running game, you know, they had Gibbs on those sweeps. They had a couple stretch runs that I absolutely loved. I think that this offense with their running game specifically, I think if they can shift more to an outside zone, I like what the Lions have. And the reason why I picked them specifically was Travis Kelsey getting ruled out. He got ruled out Thursday. Literally a few hours before the game started, yeah. he got ruled out because of his ligament injury. It was a bone and his bruise. Hyperextend- yeah, his hyperextended knee. Yeah, it was a bone bruise, and those, those are not fun. No, and- I've had one before, and it knocked me flat on my ass, and I'm nowhere near an NFL caliber shape. No, no, and uh, nor am I. And I think what we also saw is Chris Jones, you can't win the Super Bowl without. I think they have to get him paid. You have to be able to generate pass rush somehow, and he is your best shot at doing that. I just found it a little interesting that I think he set the record for the highest ticket ever for an NFL game at a little over a million dollars. Yeah, probably. That's just wild to me. But I think even more important is I really like that they held Travis Kelsey out because now you know what it looks like without him. Obviously, Kadarius Tony is going to get a ton of blame. He dropped a ton of passes. They had eight drops in total. Kadarius Tony, you can blame him if you want. He did have two massive drops, one that landed into Brian Branch's hands and he just flew to the end zone. And then he did have that one in the fourth quarter, which would have put him in field goal range to potentially ice the game. He but... also dropped an important third and two as well at the in the third quarter. That would have continued their drive instead of having them punt. Yeah, although the thing is with that, though, is he missed a lot of training camp. And after hearing that he put in more to try and get back a little early, I can't hold it against him too much because he just hasn't had enough reps. It was very evident with that. I, I mean, thought his Sky rookie... Moore would get... Yeah, sorry. I thought Sky Moore would get a little bit more trust, but he didn't get too much run. Also, we saw that the creativity, the creative plays, without Kelsey, they don't work as well because he attracts mm-hmm. so much attention. You have to know where number 87 is. I think they mentioned that Andy Reid, he will make a list of plays specifically for Kelsey when he's on the field that he wants to run without that play sheet you're very limited to what you have you know with the players that you have but you don't have that consistent guy who can get you eight to ten catches about a hundred yards maybe a touchdown or two i think Uh, what we see now is travis kelsey is very very valuable we obviously already knew that but now this is you holding him out and having him ready to go for week two against Jacksonville is massive. Yeah, agreed. Having him sit out was the correct move because the last thing you want is to have an already decently bad hyperextended knee and bone bruise turn into a ligament tear, which would knock him out for the rest of the season. And if you're out Chris Jones for half the season and Travis Kelsey for the whole year, you're almost on DEFCON five at that point as a Chiefs fan because Mahomes can do a lot by himself but we saw what happens with their current receiving core without Travis Kelsey you really only have 
I'd say two people you can trust. MBS if he's running straight down the boundary. And Rasheed Rice actually caught his first NFL touchdown in that game. He played a little more than I thought he would, and he played very well. He showed creativity at the point of attack when Mahomes was under pressure, and he really got it going for them. You have a as a as if any of you were a Chiefs fan, Rasheed Rice gives you some right now i'm going to be comparing him to juju smith schuster from last year i mean that's an interesting comparison the thing with rasheed rice he did have that touchdown which that's just zone coverage for you he absolutely toasted it found the void wide open mahomes made the throw but those backup tight ends they don't strike the same amount of fear into you kelsey also he gives you that quarterback sneak he was a former quarterback so he knows the cadence, whereas the other tight ends, you can't really trust as much with that. And that trick play that they tried to run with Rasheed Rice, you can't key in on Rasheed Rice because you don't trust the backup tight end. I think it was, I don't know which one it was. It might've been I, uh, Blake I Bell. believe it was Noah Gray or, or Blake Bell. Yeah, one it was of one of two. the two, but it wasn't as powerful it wasn't a potent play that you'd see whereas with kelsey because i think with kelsey in there you sneak it and i know people i know one guy said i think it was mike tarico said that this game has an asterisk uh I that was such an ass things like that that was an asinine comment a lot of nfl players have come out and said hey a win's a win and injuries are a part of the game you just gotta roll with the punches and continue on with the game yes it sucks that the chiefs lost because of pretty much one player sitting out wanting to get paid more and your other player being out because of injury. But anytime you can beat Mahomes, no matter what his surrounding cast is, it's pretty damn good. Yeah, and also I think the idea of games with an asterisk is just silly overall. This is the National Football League. These are all pro players. They were all top players in their high schools, in their colleges. They got here for a reason. This notion that it deserves an asterisk when they still almost won the game. It's not like this was a blowout. It's not like a what if. Well, it is kind of a what if now that I think about it. But at the same time, you can go with that however you want. What if, you know, Goff gets a lot of protection like we thought. He did get decent protection, but there were times where he was getting swarmed. Like it, it, The pocket broke down for him, and I really think that's just because they might have underestimated the Chiefs' pass rush without Jones. Or perhaps it's first game of the year, people are going to be rusty a little bit, and who knows, maybe the just synergy between the, the linemen just wasn't the greatest at that point. People figure stuff out in week one. Yeah, I in it, week one, it's going to be difficult. It, it'll always be difficult. But I think the other thing that came to me with this game, and I brought it up in my earlier breakdown, but the refs have to bear some culpability in this because I'm going to say this right now. Had the Chiefs won this game, everyone would have been talking about one Jawan Taylor because, oh my God, I was losing my mind. We were watching that game, my dad and I were, and the entire second half, we were looking at Jawan Taylor. We, we were obviously paying attention to the game itself, don't get me wrong, but we were also keeping an eye on how early is Jawan Taylor going to jump on this play? Because not only was he jumping every single pass play, 
but he was lined up so far back. The the referee uh, analyst, the rules analyst on NBC brought up that the right tackle has to be lined up with the center's waistline. He mm -hmm. wasn't even to his ass. He wasn't even to the end of his ass. He was basically, as Chris Collinsworth said, he was playing slot receiver all night. And they finally got him right at the end. But you look at how many times Mahomes threw the ball, just take half of those, and you could have had penalties on that many. I think the NFL has to address it. They have to see any movement like that because not only was he leaving early, but he was also bouncing his leg early on because once you're set, you cannot move. It is a false start. I think the refs have to have this addressed because it is egregious. And I know people have brought up, well, Lane Johnson does it. The difference between what Lane Johnson has done and what we saw last night with Jawan Taylor, and I saw some clips of what people were bringing up with Lane Johnson. With Lane Johnson, obviously, if you put anything in slow motion, it's going to look egregious. But in real time, he does it pretty well a split second before the snap count. Whereas with Jawan Taylor, it was more like half a second to a second before the snap count. He was leaving early. And we couldn't, my dad and I couldn't even focus on the game itself because we were just like, there he goes again. He's leaving again. And they didn't call it. There was one, I think it was either late third quarter, early fourth quarter when he left. And we saw the ref on the field and he was looking, it looked like he was looking right at Juwan Taylor. And we were just like, what, huh? How did you not call at that? It was getting asinine very quick in that game. So I think he's going to get his ass chewed out by not only Reed the, and the O-line coach for the Kansas City Chiefs as well. I think he has enough promise. I mean, he got paid 20 mil for over four years for up to 80 mil for a reason. He's a damn good right tackle. And if in a pinch, he can be at left tackle as well. I kind of think moving on, you'll see him get vastly improved and take the steps needed so this doesn't happen again or at least not to this amount of egregious type of errors but kind of moving on so every week we are going to be picking five games that we think are going to be either very good games potential swing games for the division or even the conference depending on how it plays out later into the year so to start off Adam, what is your first game that you are going to be focusing on for tomorrow? Well, this segment, we're going to be calling this Eyes on Five. Like Jake said, it's going to be five games where we're going to be keeping our eyes on them and mainly focusing on them. So my first game, it is in the 10 o'clock window, and it is going to be Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals. The reason why is... Burrow is one in five against the Browns. He has played okay against them, but eh, he he's left a lot to be desired. Miles Garrett has been an absolute monster in his nine games against the Bengals. He has had 11 sacks in nine games. I mean, he's not only had that, but he's also had 21 quarterback hits and two forced fumbles. He has played very well. You know and what it kind of reminds me of? 
What is remind it reminds me of kind of an old stat about how much Cam Jordan loved Matt Ryan. I think this is this generation's Cam Jordan and Matt Ryan. And Garrett might even surpass Jordan's sack count for what he got on Matt Ryan in his career. Maybe. Also, one of those sacks is on uh, star wide receiver Jamar Chase on a trick play last year. And... <laughs> After the little beef that those two seem to have after Jamar Chase's elves comment against the Browns, that's something to keep an eye on as well. Those two will probably be jawing. Wouldn't be surprised if they get into it at some point on the field. But the reason why I'm looking at this game is we're looking at the Bengals as AFC Conference Championship players pretty much every year from now on because of how good Joe Burrow is. What I want to keep an eye on, though, is Burrow, he says his calf is okay, but calves can flare up. We've seen it happen with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, I swear, he seems to have bad calves at all times. It almost cost him, it did cost him, I think, in the NFC Championship game in 2014, because he could not run. Now, no, and did, that killed that killed their chance to get a second. He did ball, have to run a second. Yeah, he did have to run a little bit, but that was because there was no one within about 15 yards of him, and he was basically hopping. I don't think it's going to be too bad for Burrow, but I would keep an eye on any players going at his legs, and then we also have to look at Deshaun Watson. He's got 230 million reasons why he should be playing well. And all of them are fully guaranteed. Now, Damn a lot sure. of people, a lot of people look at, you know, last year, they're giving him a pass for it. He only played half the year and he hadn't played in a year and a half. He looked rusty. I watched a couple of those games. He looked absolutely atrocious. But now he's got a full camp. He has all of his lawsuits, whatever his creepy things behind him. It's very interesting to see how well he can play because a lot of people considered him to be a top five quarterback when he was last there. I don't see him as a top five quarterback now. I think at one website had him ranked, I think, 18th, which is pretty still respectable for a guy who, again, hasn't played in close to two years. But I'm pretty low on the Browns. I think the Bengals will win it. I think that... Deshaun Watson, he's not going to have a happy ending this time around. You just had to get that joke in since I got my own punch in last week, didn't you? Yeah, I absolutely had to get that joke in. But, all right, Jake, what game, what is your first game to keep an eye on? Uh, so, the first game I'm going to be keeping an eye on is going to be the Steelers and the 49ers. This is a game where... I have the Steelers winning their division against all odds. People, I actually looked it up. They are the least likely to win their division by betting odds. The Browns are even ahead of them by like 2%. And I think the Steelers are going to be really good. The true test is this week one game to determine how their new offense and how their new O-line holds up against Nick Bosa and that defense. I think the Steelers have a good shot at winning this, but I think in the end, it wouldn't shock me if the Niners come out on top. I love their line. I love the Steelers linebackers in with controlling the run. And we can both agree that Shanahan is like the king of designing runs, right? Absolutely. He His running game is so complex. And I think that that can always be a 
turntable there because oh. you have to look at some of those runs you'll have people not be touched for the first 10 yards easy the thing that i'm worried about is how are these linebackers going to be doing in the pass game they have a landon roberts and cole holcomb very good against the run Alandon Roberts is a heat-seeking missile in the run game. Cole Holcomb is a thumper of a linebacker. But against the pass, subpar at best. And we know Shanahan is going to try to get every single advantage he can. So if you're going to be seeing a lot of short to intermediate passes in the middle of the field against those linebackers, I think Tomlin's going to see that damn quick and say, "All right, Minka, you're now in the box." And they're going to have they're going to have to figure out how to deal with that run game or the, the pass game with the running backs and how they're going to deal with Kittle. Cuz I love Minka Fitzpatrick on Kittle. That is a matchup I am dying to see and study. But I think that they're going to be able to handle Ayuk and Debo to some extent. Samuel Debo and Ayuk are going to get their catches in. They're probably each going to get some damn good 50-50 balls because that's what they specialize in. But if that Steelers pass rush can keep it up and pressure Purdy, that is the one area he suffered the most or looked the worst in last year as a rookie was when he was getting pressured. If you can make him break down, you have a shot. Keanu Benton is going to be my player watch in that trench warfare this week for that game because Cam Hayward finally has a running mate. Stefan Tuitt's been gone. Javon Hargrave's been gone. Now that he has a running mate, you got the gruesome twosome in that middle right now. Ultimately, I have the 49ers winning by a field goal, but if the Steelers win, again, it wouldn't shock me because I'm so high on them. But I think the Niners have more firepower. Well, Steelers favored by, or Steelers two and a half point underdogs so definitely a field goal is pretty a field goal is pretty much on the dot for that game then yeah home teams usually get three points for home field but now i would say that's usually about one home depending on where you play so yeah you could look at it basically as niners favored by about three and a half you take away that one point only favored by two and a half i wanted to mention also the bengals browns Previously, my game, Browns are two-point underdogs. I think the Bengals can absolutely cover that, but Easy. that would be a game that I would stay away from because divisional games are definitely hard to bet. All right, so my second game that I'm going to be keeping an eye on, well, I'm a Seahawk fan, and I'm going to be keeping my eyes on Rams at Seahawks. Seahawks are favored by five, which... Wow, that's think- pretty high. Are they in L.A. or are they in Seattle? They are in Lumen Field in Seattle, Washington. So I can definitely understand why they get favored there, especially with Cooper Cup being out. He would have been a player that I would have definitely kept my eyes on. But now you have to look at Stafford. He's coming back from injury. Aaron Donald, he's coming back from injury. And you're coming back with receivers that you really don't know all that much about. You have Tutu Atwell... You have Van Jefferson, you got Puka Nakua. I mean, players that could perform, but we just don't really know. As far as Stafford goes, recovering from you know his injury, you have to look at also, how can that O-line protect him? I 
look at that and last year they looked bad bad there's a reason why they had the worst record of any team coming off a super bowl and then on the seahawks side geno smith i am a believer last year i definitely was not i was thinking that geno while a better option than drew lock he would play okay but i i only had my seahawks winning maybe six games last year the fact that they won nine blew my mind and i think we discussed last year about how you would be expecting them to tank for a top five pick to either get stroud or young Absolutely, I did, because I took one look at the team and Drew Locke, I had seen a couple games in Denver and I was rolling my eyes thinking this guy somehow made it to the NFL. And Gino, I just didn't know because outside of watching him play in New York, where he was pretty bad for the Jets, but I mean, the Jets are also, a, they were a mess. We're expecting a lot about them this year, but I did not expect a ton but now you have Gino, who's got a lot of confidence. He got a contract this year, or this offseason. I like Kenneth Walker a lot. I think he can absolutely have a chance to be a top five rusher. And then the, you also draft Zach Charbonnet, who can be a fantastic change of pace back. I think he can catch a little bit better than K-9. And then Tyler Lockett, he's just somehow performs. He gets a thousand yards every year. Most people don't know how. I definitely look at him every time and I'm just like, how did he get so wide open? DK Metcalf is an absolute freak. And I think that another year with Geno will help him a ton. I think that there's a chance that he leads the league in receiving. I'm not going to say for sure, but I think there's a chance. And then you also have JSN, who was the best receiver last year in the draft he was by far the best receiver in the draft and we heard that you had players i believe it was chris alave and one other guy i can't remember off the top of my head but at Ohio i believe State, it was garrett wilson oh yeah it was garrett wilson and there were people who said that jsn jackson smith and jigba was better than both of them that is something that i definitely would like to see for my seahawks and then again as far as the o-line goes I think they're going to be better than they were last year. You have another year with your two tackles who were rookies last year. They performed pretty well. I think the line's going to be well. And then the defense, I think, can take a step. Running defense last year was bad. They, pass was rush so, was bad, too. Pass rush was terrible. They generated very little. They had to call in the corpse of Bruce Irvin to rush for him. I think having... Devin Witherspoon, I like him a lot. I think he's going to be a very fine corner to pair with Tariq Woolen, who tied for the league lead in interceptions last year. He's an absolute freak. I think he's going to be very good this year. You bring back Bobby Wagner, who we all know how much the Seahawks love B-Wags. And even last year, he showed he still's got a lot left in the tank. I definitely have the Seahawks winning because I could see this receiving core and this running game with Shane Waldron dialing up plays, absolutely carving up this kind of no-name defense outside of Aaron Donald. Easy. I think, if anything, you're going to see a lot of Cam Akers and Tyler Higby for this game because with Cooper Cup out for the first four games, if not more, with a hamstring injury, ooh, yeah. Who can you throw to? Higby 
and Higby. We did talk about Puka Nakua a little bit. I think he was underrated, and if he didn't get injured, instead of being a six-round pick, he probably would have been about a third or fourth rounder. He has talent, but I don't think it's going to be enough to, to overtake Seattle. And I have Seattle winning the division, so I'm definitely thinking that they can pull off this. So I, I like my Seahawks, plain and simple. So, Jake, what is your second game to keep an eye on? My second game that I'm going to be keeping an eye on is my Packers versus their arch-rival Bears. Oldest rival I am a Packers. NFL history. Damn straight. We have the better record against those bastards. The Cheeseheads dominate them every year. Now, without Aaron Rodgers, that might change a little bit. I have a splitting one-and-one with the Bears this year as a Packers fan. I think with Christian Watson out and Romeo Dubs being questionable for this game, ooh, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of our two rookie tight ends and Jaden Reed. We're also going to be seeing a lot of the running game too, but the Bears have improved their running their run defense heavily. Their linebacking core has been entirely changed. And I'm expecting Jaquan Brisker to be in the box and be a thumper from hell. I think that you're going to be seeing a defensive slugfest in this game. As long as the Packers can keep Justin Fields contained and Jair can keep up with DJ Moore, which number one wide receiver with the top five corner, that's the thing to watch for in this game. Except for maybe Luke Musgraves, how he does against Tremaine Edmonds or TJ Edwards, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of running on both sides of the ball from the Bears and the Packers. And I think Love is not going to get a fair shot because he's down his best wide receiver from the get-go and possibly his number two as well. But I'm not going to have I'm not going to give, give the kid excuses. He is the leader of this franchise now and he needs to show why we traded up to draft from the first round and why the team felt comfortable enough moving on from a top five quarterback of all time in Aaron Rodgers. If he can show what he can show of what I expect him, I think he's going to be a top 12 to 14 quarterback. He's going to be in the higher mid-tier of quarterback. He's not going to be a top 10, but I think with his talent and his mobility, 12 to 14 is where I kind of expect. That's very, very fair. Packers, Bears, Bears are only favored by one, and they are in Chicago, so very close to a pick'em game. And I think rightfully Pretty much. so. And I think it's rightfully so, yeah. I look at this Packers-Bears game, and it's going to come down to what Justin Fields are we going to see? Are we going to see more of what we saw last year, which was a lot of running, little passing. You have DJ Moore now. You have, you know, Chase Claypool, who... Eh, Jury's still out on, but you still have Darnell Mooney, who was a thousand yard receiver. And you got Cole Komet, who I very much like. I think it's going to come down to Justin Fields. I think Jordan Love, they're going to be seeing a heavy dose of Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. That is going to be, I think, the difference. Again, a game that I would probably stay away from betting just because of the fact that there's a lot. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, there's there's a lot of new with the Bears. And as far as the Packers go, we don't really know what Jordan Love we're going to get either. So definitely one that I'd stay away from. But now, Jake, we have the game that we're both keeping an eye on. And it 
let's be honest. It's it doesn't shock anyone. Bills. It's and Monday Jets. night football. Yeah, Monday this, night football. We get to see the king of the division in the Bills go against what a lot of people would say would be the kings of the offseason with the Jets. Or as I like to call them, Packers East. Indeed, Jets are two and a half point dogs, which I think is very respectable because you have the Bills, you have Josh Allen, you have Stephon Diggs. That defense, while old, is still very good. It was very, very good last year outside of a couple injuries. Tredavious White coming back. I think we're going to see a good amount of points in this game. I could definitely see this being a... 31-28 ball game, 31-24 ball game. I do have the Bills winning this game for the simple fact that I look at the Jets and my eyes keep going to that O-line. Garrett Wilson is an absolute stud, but I don't see much to throw to outside of him and Dalvin Cook. And if you're throwing outlet passes all the time, you're not going to have a whole lot of you know, you're not going to have a whole lot of offense, especially because that Bills front is pretty mighty. Not to say the Jets are any slouch. They're also very mighty. But I think that Josh Allen's mobility and his ability to have a run game with his legs. And he able to launch off any platform as well. Indeed. I think that's going to be the telltale sign of Bills winning this game. However, as far as betting goes, I think I would actually lean towards taking the Jets because of the fact that the Bills would have to win by a field goal in order to take the spread here, in order to take the uh, win as far as a betting goes. I would lean towards the Jets getting the two and a half if I were betting on that because you can at least then say you lose, you know, a 30 to 28 ball game you lose on a last second field goal and you're up one similar to what would have happened with chiefs lions had the chiefs kicked a field goal the Lions, if you'd bet the Lions, you'd have still won the bet i think i would lean towards jets on the betting side but i think the bills will win this game what do you think jake i agree with you i think i have the bills winning this as well i think the the jets have some key injuries ca- coming from the offseason. Their tackle situation is a mess. Dwayne Brown, the 40-year-old tackle that just won't die. And then you have the right tackle who we don't know what he's going to look like. He's coming off of injury. And he gained a bunch of weight and lost it all. Who knows what he's going to look like on game day. I think he'll be ready to go, but who knows. Their interior, I like. It's their tackles I'm unworry about. And that's where you're going to see a lot of pressure coming from the Bills is on those tackles off because they're edges. I think that the Bills, now that they're more healthy compared to last year, they're going to be, they're going to see themselves as the underdogs of the league and say, we're going to torch this bitch up. Josh Allen, I think, is probably going to win MVP in my book because he's getting sick and tired of the losing bug in the playoffs. And I think he's about ready to time show that he can go up against the Mahomes. He can go up against the Burrows of the world. And his first target is going to be Rodgers. Indeed. And what better way to open up the game, or open up the season, rather, with a win over your upstart rival, especially since 
a lot of people are drinking that Jets Kool-Aid. Now you and I aren't, but that's more due to the fact uh, we are looking at this team for what it is and not just looking at last year and then adding Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, we're not looking at it and seeing like, ooh, shiny. We're keeping a keel head on this and trying to keep it on a swivel and look at the bigger picture and trying to realize like, hey, yeah, they got a massive upgrade at quarterback and they added even more talent in the offseason. I love what they did, but they're third in the division for both of us, if I remember right, from our AFC, our AFC prediction. Yes, you and I both think that the Bills will win the division and Miami, or I might have had Miami winning. I don't remember. I, it was one of those two, but yes, I did have the Jets finishing third, but that is the games that you and I are going to be keeping an eye on. Those are the eyes on five. Now, Jake, last episode, first episode we did, we broke down the AFC. Got a little and detail a lot of detail. Yeah, we got a and little detailed on there. I think as far as the NFC goes, it's going to be a little bit easier to predict as while there is a lot of bad, a lot of there's the still some good. Yeah, although a lot of the divisions kind of flesh out how we think they're going to potentially. Now, here's what I'm curious about is what you have your division winners being. I have mine. I'm curious about yours, though. But let's start with the NFC North. Okay, so with the North, I actually have the Lions finally putting it all together. And I think they're going to win this division. I think the Vikings are going to be second. I think the Packers are going to be third. And the Bears, I think, are going to show a lot of potential and build on that towards next season if they think they can stick that course with Justin Fields for year four of his career. But we saw the Lions put up a hell of a fight against the Chiefs, and they won. The whole, oh, it has asterisks on it is bullshit. We said that earlier. The Lions are here to show that they can hang with the Eagles, the Cowboys, and... About the, oh, and the Niners in Seattle, I could say, and the Vikings. Because those are like the top six teams in this conference. I think the Lions are going to be the ones to beat in this. The Vikings could push them, but I think the, the Lions are going to end up winning anyway. Yeah, I also have the Lions winning this division. I look at this division, and my biggest issue with it is I don't buy into Minnesota because they were frauds last year. I've never seen a 13-win team have a negative point differential and then get <laughs> bounced by a team with a quarterback that no one respects in Daniel Jones and the Giants. The Packers, I don't know what they are. We look at Jordan Love and we're hopeful that he can replace Aaron Rodgers, but are we sure that after three years, heading into year four, this isn't, I don't think it's going to be a Favre to Rodgers and then a Rodgers to Love. The league doesn't really work like that. I would no, look at the Packers. No, it doesn't whatsoever. I, I, I don't trust the Packers as well with Christian Watson, this injury. I'm always weary of injuries early on in the year because they can flare up later on in the year. And then They're the Bears. Linger. And then the Bears, I like the Bears. I think that they could win this division. I might put them second, but I don't know if they're going to be able to overtake the Lions 
who under Dan Campbell improved from three wins to I believe nine last year I think that they can win this division and I am going to pick them to win this division but Jake moving on to the NFC South very curious who you think is gonna win this one because I think we might differ on this one because you can make a case for all four teams finishing first and finishing (laughs) fourth yes this is the gambler's paradise of any NFL division. I think the Falcons are going to win this. I think the I think the clear number 1 and number 2 is the Saints and the Falcons. I think the Saints are have a much older team than the Falcons and they're going to have quite a bit of injury and I don't I love Chris Olave. I love that game. I love that team. Kamara coming off the suspension I don't love in week 4. And Derek Carr is Derek Carr. It'll be interesting to see how he plays, but I think the Falcons in their run game and how much money and how much draft capital they spent on that defense and B. John Robinson in the offseason, they're my number one, but their ceiling is like 10 and 7. If they win this division with a losing record of 8 and 9, it wouldn't shock me at all. I think 9-8 and eight or 10-7 and seven is the best you're going to see out of any team in this division. Yeah, I. a lot of people are buying the Falcons. I. My question to you on the Falcons, though, is do you trust that Desmond Ritter is going to take that next step? So, with Desmond Ritter, I think he's going to show he's not going to be an elite quarterback. He is going to be... Oh, what is a good thing to say? I think he's going to be a middle-tier quarterback. He's not going to be bad enough that you feel like you have to automatically replace him. Well, both next year's quarterback class, that could change. But I think he's going to show he's going to be a tweener in quarterback rankings, anywhere from 20 to 16 range, total middle-tier. And I think he's going to play decent enough that this offense and that O-line and the running game is going to be good enough to win this division. Because Kyle Pitts, I'm looking at him to at least have somewhat of a bounce back season. I don't think he's going to have a 1,000 yards like he did his rookie year. Seven or eight hundred is kind of where I'm putting him. Drake London, love the guy. I think if he goes for eleven or 1,200 yards, it wouldn't shock me. Bijan Robinson and Cordell Patterson and Tyler Algier, they are a three-headed monster. The O-line, I love the Matthew Bergeron pick in the second round for them this year. They have Caleb McGarry, Chris Lindstrom, Drew Dahlman, and they, they kind of just won't seem to die at left tackle for him and Jake Matthews. I think they have the most underrated O-line in the league because this O-line could be, a, I think it's going to be a top 10 unit by the end of the year. And I think this offense is going to play good enough while their defense is going to be their highlight. That's fair. I... I understand why a lot of people are backing the Falcons because with a pick like Bijan Robinson, you have a electrifying runner, a guy that we haven't seen since Saquon Barkley was drafted in the first round and someone that people have compared to Ladanian Tomlinson, which is very fair. And also scouts were saying that he was the cleanest prospect of the entire draft, the easiest one probably to pick. But as much as I would like to say that I believe in the Atlanta Falcons. I can't trust Desmond Ritter, 
And that's why I'm going to go with the Panthers. I'm leaning Panthers, and it's mainly because I think that Bryce Young might surprise people. Now, the O-line does concern me. That O-line in the preseason looked terrible. I think it would have been better, Jake, if you and I were blocking for him because he was <laughs> getting absolutely mauled. And he's honestly maybe an inch shorter than I am. I look at this Carolina Panthers team, though, and I like Frank Reich as a coach. You have an offensive coach who can absolutely unlock. Hey, he made Matt Ryan decent. He made look Carson Wentz look very good. He was the most, we saw the most efficient Andrew Luck with Frank Reich. I look at this team and I like the offense kind of, mainly because of the fact that O-line does concern me, but DJ Chark is an okay receiver. Adam Thielen may not be what he once was, but he has a solid pair of hands. And then you have, you know, players like LaVisca Chenault who can finally have a role rather than being, you know, the fifth receiver on a depth chart. I'm leaning towards them. And then you have a tight end in Hayden Hurst who is very solid and he can absolutely snag, I think, 30, 40 balls. The run game keeps me intrigued with Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard. I don't trust Miles Sanders as much as we saw last year with the Eagles, but I think Chuba Hubbard can be a very solid back. I think it's going to be a running team by committee, but that defense, Brian Burns is a stud. If those two corners can stay healthy and J.C. Horn and Dante Jackson, I like them. Jeremy Chin at safety, I like him a lot. And you always have to keep an eye on Shaq Thompson. I'm taking the Panthers to win this division. What do you think? I can understand why you're picking them. Bryce Young is a hell of a talent. I think if that O-line can get figured out, I can see them winning. The only team in this division I can't see winning is the Bucks because I don't trust their receiving core i don't trust that old line with jensen out and i don't trust makefield or what at all and i don't trust the run game i think panthers they have their third but if they get on a hot streak fuck i could see it i love frank reich i think he's a phenomenal coach i think he's gotten some bad luck with his quarterbacks aka the one-year rentals he had with the colts and he was a scapegoat for that i think if that o-line can get their shit together and not get the little man killed in Bryce Young, I think they have a good shot of winning. Do I, in the playoffs, anything can happen, but they don't, if they win this division to go to the playoffs, I think they're going to be a quick one and done. But for a team like the Panthers to show that much promise in year one to make the playoffs, that's a hell of a lot of showing right there. Indeed. And I think what we can see with this team especially with the panthers you know with bryce young what i'm going to be keeping an eye on is his accuracy under duress he was praised for his accuracy at alabama which is very easy when you're throwing to number one picks first rounders non-stop but i think accuracy is going to play a big role for him I think it'll help him. I think he will be accurate and deliver the football with ability to run after catch. I think that's going to be where they get most of their yards. But Jake, moving to the NFC East, what is your team winning this division? I hate, I hate 
I hate myself for this. You're I actually Cowboys? have yes, I actually have the Cowboys winning this division because I think Dak is going to be a bit more cautious with the ball, and I think I'm way high on their Brandon the get their Brandon Cooks acquisition. And the fact that they added Stephon Gilmore to be with Trevon Diggs, I fucking love that pairing. That could be the best cornerback tandem in the NFL. They could challenge Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed as the number one cornerback duo. And them moving Micah Parsons to be a full-time edge rusher and him putting on more weight, oh, I love it. And the fact that they drafted Mozzie Smith, not a sexy pick by whatsoever. But you drafted a nose ta- a freak athlete nose tackle that has a good amount of pass rush upside. I have him linked to being a potential DJ Reader type impact player. Not in year one, but in his career, I could see him being a DJ Reader type player. Which, he's the best nose tackle in the league. And Mozzie is more of an athletic freak than he is. Um, I think we're finally going to be able to see that what that O-line can do with a more shifty running back. And I think this team has a lot to prove. Do I think... If they make the championship round, I would be amazed. But just talking talking pure division winner, I have the Cowboys winning, and I hate myself for picking that because I've always been a Cowboy hater. Yeah, my only question to you on that is, do you trust that the Dak Prescott we saw last year is an anomaly or a trend? That's the question I pose to you. I think it's more of an anomaly because last year was really off for him. Coming off of it, coming back from an injury, I think since he's lost some of his mobility because he's scared to get a major injury again, especially in his legs, like what happened two years ago, I think he's going to play a lot more conservative. And with how they have Mike McCarthy come out and saying, we're going to run the damn ball. We're going to chew the clock. We're going to be conservative. We're going to pound and pound that defense into submission. I think you're going to see a lot of running the ball and a lot more play action and deep crossing routes from the Cowboys. And I think Dak, Dak, I have him throwing nine or 10 interceptions. If he gets to 10, the vert on the edge of double digit, it wouldn't shock me. I don't think he's going to have 15 like he did last year. I think he's going to be a lot more safer and a lot more conservative because of how that offense is now going to be styled. And I trust that defense entirely. Dan Quinn as a head coach, eh. I don't know how I feel about it. But as a pure DC, look what that man's done. He has shown his body of work. And I think by the end of the year, he's going to become head coach of the Cowboys. Yeah, I think so as well, but I think that's more due to the fact of Mike McCarthy failing because I do not trust him as far as a play calling goes or play caller goes because I think when I look at this Cowboys team, everything tells me that this should be a 12-win team again. Everything's telling me that this team should be going deep into the playoff. And yet we see that every single year. And what happens? They don't go to, or they do go to the playoffs to get bounced in the first round or in the second round. They have not reached a conference championship in 28 years. I was not even born then. 
okay, but to be fair, you asked me just for division winner. That is fair. I mentioned yes. I mentioned the playoffs, and I think it, if they make it to the conference championship, I'll consider that a dub for them. They're not going to make it to the Super Bowl. I don't. I'm not going to be the whole cowboy saying like, "Oh, it's our fucking year for 30 years in a goddamn row." Shit gets old, Cowboys fans. But I will give you your bone this year. I think they're going to win the division. I think they'll make it to the divisional, but I think they're going to either encounter the Niners or the Eagles, and shit's going to fly south from there. Yeah, I, I I think they might see the Niners again and, of course, get absolutely trounced for the third year in a row because it's basically the Niner Invitational whenever they see Dallas on their on their schedule. And in the I also... You mentioned strength of schedule. I just checked it up. The projected win total for the Cowboys is 9.7, so 10 rounded up. They have the 14th easiest schedule, so almost dead even in the middle. You know another reason why I picked the Falcons? They have the number one easiest schedule, while your Panthers have the fifth. You literally have one Atlanta, two New Orleans, and five Carolina. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't know if I trust Arthur Smith. But going back to the NFC East, I have the Eagles winning it. And I know that there has not been a repeat winner of this division for like 10 or 12 years. I think it's close to 15. Probably. But the reason why I'm picking the Eagles is you can bring up that they did lose players in certain areas. But you did sign, or you got Jalen Carter, and we saw in the preseason, he looked like a freak. I think he can Mm -hmm. be a very nice replacement to Javon Hargrave. And you basically have the Phila George uh, Bull Eagles as a whole on defense. And I like this offense, mainly due to the fact that Jalen Hurts, all he has done is improve. Now... I know people are going to say that, oh, well, his passing, you know, stats were whatever last year. There was a reason why they only lost one game when he played. And you could argue that they should not have lost that game to the commanders. I will straight up go to my grave saying that they got that game stolen from them. But the other reason why I like the Eagles is due to the fact that I think they can go five and one in their division i don't trust the commanders though i like their defense and are we sure that daniel jones can do what he did last year again can he improve my pick of the eagles is my trust in jalen hurts i do have a little bit of concern about them having a new offensive and defensive coordinator but at the same time you also have to look at The Cowboys have a new offensive coordinator, and the Giants, eh. They're the the, Giants. The Commanders, eh. They already won because they no longer have Dan Snyder. So I think they could go 1-16 and be pretty happy. But I have the Eagles winning this division, being the first repeat winner, strictly due to the fact that I think that Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback. I like the Eagles' defense slightly more than the Cowboys due to total talent rather than just an individual player in Micah Parsons. And I like—I I just plain and simple think that the Eagles have a chance of getting at least to 12, 13 wins 
because as far as defensive go, I think defensively they're going to be maybe not what they were last year, but still incredibly solid. And then Jake, moving to the NFC West, what most people considered for a long time to be the toughest division in football, it's kind of falling on hard times right now. Who is your pick to win this division? Until the 49ers get dethroned, they're my pick. Seattle is my number two team of all my favorite teams. I just think that the whole thing going on with their defense, mostly their run defense and their pass rush has a lot of questions to be answered. I think they're going to be better than last year because of your offseason free agent signings and your draft. But I think at the end of the day, it's kind of like the Chiefs for me until somebody tells me otherwise. 49ers are the winners of this division. You can talk about the whole Trey Lance being one of the worst trades in NFL history. I have to agree with that to some extent. The kid didn't get a lot of time to play. But beside the fact, Niners are my pick. If Seahawks do manage to beat them out for for the division lead, it wouldn't shock me. But I think the Niners have just shown me that... I'm not going to de- I'm going to default to them until somebody proves me elsewise. Yeah, that's a fair get you know, that's a fair pick. Obviously, the Niners, I would have I have them number 2 because I do have my Seahawks winning this division. I'm going to be a little bit of a homer for a moment. Uh but I like this Seahawks team a lot more than I did last year. Like we said earlier, I thought they were going to win 6 games at most and in some cases I thought they were only going to win 4 games. But I think Gino last year was not a fluke. I think he can absolutely have at least the same year that he did last year. Maybe a little drop off in completion percentage because I'm pretty sure he led the league in completion percentage last year. But you look at the receiving core as far as weapons goes, they got better. You have Tyler Lockett, you have DK Metcalf, and I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to step up in a huge way in the slot and I think he's going to perform very, very well. I could easily see 700, 800 yards. I love the Zach Charbonnet pick because you won't be running Kenneth Walker into the ground. You can go more by committee, similar to what they had back when they won the Super Bowl. You had Marshawn Lynch as your lead back, but you did have Robert Turbin, who did take up quite a bit of carries that I think most people didn't realize. He was a very good change of pace back. I think Charbonnet is going to bring that as well as some very solid receiving ability. And then on defense, I love this defense a lot more than I did last year because I think that bringing back Bobby Wagner is going to be massive. You have a guy who can know the language of the defense and I think that also bringing back Jaron Reed, I love that because you have a nice interior push. This team, I think, is going to be very good on defense. I think they're going to be around top 12. I don't know if I would put them top 10 because there are a lot of good defenses now in this league. But I think as far as this team goes, I think even though they are young, they have a lot of kids. I think that this team is going to step up. I think Pete Carroll works best with young players. I am picking my Seahawks to win this division, and I feel very, very confident in that. What do you think, Jake? I agree with you that I think the defense is going to be reformed with Wagner coming back. You got that leader of that defense back. 
I think he's lost a few steps in his speed, but he more than makes up for it in his process, in his mental process of the game. And he has seen almost everything that this league can throw. I think him coming back with Jordan Brooks is going to be massive for Brooks. And this might be the best chance for Brooks to have a con in a contract year to show like, Hey, I'm your guy now. Let's go. But and I, I, the whole Geno Smith thing, I agree. I don't think it was a one-off. I think it's going to be a consistent thing with him. I think we're going to at least two years, two more years of that type of play from Geno. And I love the Charbonnet pick. He's a damn good pass pro back. I don't know if I agree with you him having better hands than K9. I can understand where you're coming from with that, though. I just didn't watch a lot of Charbonnet in college, so I really can't pick a side on that one. But Draymond Jones is, I think, going to be the MVP of that defense. He is going to push that interior pocket so much for that defense and create a lot of openings. He's going to create a lot of openings for Uchenna Nwosu, Daryl Taylor, and the second-round pass rusher. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. He's going to get a lot of action as well I think I think Nuchenna is going to become a double digit sack guy like he was last year and I think we're going to have another guy kind of emerge as being another good pass rusher either between your second round pass rusher or Daryl Taylor who showed up pretty good last year in key situations yeah and I think my Seahawks even though I think they'll split with the Niners I think they're going to be able to go five and one in this division and it all starts Saturday or Sunday, excuse me, w- against the Rams. And I, like I said, I have them winning that game. So just a quick recap: we, Jake and I both have the Lions winning the NFC North. He has the Cowboys winning the East. I have the Eagles. He has the Falcons winning the South. I have the Panthers, and he has the Niners winning the West. I have my Seattle Seahawks. Now, Jake, to wrap things up. We're going to name our players that will win awards. So we're going to start off with Offensive Rookie of the Year. So I think Offensive Rookie of the Year, I think as long as Bijan can stay healthy, I think he's kind of locked into that because the quarterbacks I like, but I don't like their situation enough to say like, oh yeah, they're totally going to win this award. I think Bijan's going to be the one to go away with that. And that's kind of my pick for Offensive Rookie of the Year. That's very fair. Looking at the odds, he is leading it at plus 300. But I'm picking Anthony Richardson. His odds are at plus 900. I'm picking him because he is going to probably play the entire season. I love the fact that he is going to be able to probably scramble a fair bit due to the fact that their running back room outside of Jonathan Taylor, who obviously is not with the team for obvious reasons, dealing with, you know, Jim Ursay. I think that he's going to have a lot of rushing upside and he's going to be able to run while he learns the speed of this game, learns the speed of being able to throw the ball. And even in preseason, he looked okay when he completed balls. Now, he did have a lower, I believe he had the lowest completion percentage of anyone in the preseason, but that's because he's raw. I think he's going to be able to learn on the fly, and by midseason, 
I could see this Colts team. I Obviously, I don't have them winning the division by any stretch, but I think that they're going to win a few more games that we probably wouldn't expect them to win. And I think he's going to be able to put up enough stats that he is going to be able to steal it from Bijan, though I do think that Bijan would finish second. But Jake, now defensive rookie of the year, what do you think? Defensive rookie of the year is a really tough one just because you have so many freaking players that could possibly go for it. I mean, Devin Witherspoon is a name you could throw out. Even the Jaylen Raiders Carter. first round. Jalen Carter. What was the Texas kid that the, Ra the Raiders drafted at seven? Tyree, Tyree Wilson. Wilson? Yep, Tyree yeah. Wilson. I think you could look at those guys, and but I think Will Anderson is going to be a rip right out the gate for the, the Texans, and he is going to be a full-time starter for them. I think he's going to have 11 or 12 sacks in his rookie year, but I do have a dark horse, if you're interested in hearing that, because I know how much we both like our dark horse picks. By all means. Keon White of the Patriots, the second round pass rusher for them, he showed flashes to me in the preseason. That kid can upright play on that edge. And he's big enough, he could be, he can move as an inline guy at, as a pass rushing DT. He's not gonna play zero or one as that nose tackle, but he's big enough and athletic enough to play as DT or edge, or even stand up. Just keep your eyes on Keon White, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people this year as a rookie. But I think Will Anderson is going to be my go-to pick as the defensive rookie of the year. Oh, Will Anderson has the best odds at plus 400. I am going to be taking the guy second on that list at plus 700. I am taking Jalen Carter because even though that there are there is a lot of mouths to feed on that Eagles defensive line and that defense as a whole. Jalen Carter, we saw first snap of the preseason why he should have been potentially the first overall pick. His explosiveness is off the charts. If his off the field can get cleaned up, I think he's going to be an absolute game record, especially because you have Georgia players on that defense everywhere. He has played with Jordan Davis. He has played with Nicobe Dean. I think that familiarity is going to help him a ton and it's going to allow him to be able to play a little bit more carefree, a little bit looser. And I think that's going to help him take defensive rookie of the year. But Jake, who do you have for offensive player of the year? Offensive player of the year? I am going to go big, and I think that CeeDee Lamb is going to show people he deserves to be in that top five conversation, and I think he's going to... I And to kind of add on to that, I again, I'm very high on them getting Brandon Cooks. They now have a pure speed threat, and they now have that triple-headed thing that they had with Cedric Wilson. I think galloping a year removed from injury is going to open up for CD in the slot as he traditionally is one of the best big slot receivers in the league. The connection between him and Dak has always been phenomenal, and I think he's going to be pushing 1,600 yards and probably double-digit touchdowns this year. Well, that is a very bold prediction, but I do like it, and it will most likely come true if the Cowboys do win the division like you are predicting. I am actually going to be picking jamar chase because i feel like it is now his time we look at 
Justin Jefferson, absolute stud receiver. And I also almost picked Tyreek Hill because he has declared he wants 2K. And I don't doubt that if he got it, he would win Offensive Player of the Year. But I like Jamar Chase because I think that his rapport with Burrow is second to none. His ability to basically know what Burrow's thinking and his playmaking ability is phenomenal. I think that it is now going to be his year to win Offensive Player of the Year and finally get the credit he deserves as potentially the top receiver in the league. Especially since we look at Justin Jefferson now pretty much as number one. You and I look at Devontae Adams still, but I think Jamar Chase is going to stake his claim this year. But now we move to Defensive Player of the Year, Jake, and I'm going to guess you're going with Micah Parsons? Potentially, but since I've gone first for the first three, I want to hear your input first because I kind of even think about my defensive player of the year because there's a couple I have kind of roaming around in my head. Well, alrighty, I absolutely can do that. And I am actually going to go with Micah Parsons. And the reason why I'm going with Micah Parsons is strictly because it's long overdue for him to finally get it. I think when I look at Micah Parsons, and I look at just his overall ability. He now has a potential running mate for, you know, you have Demarcus Lawrence, who, while he's not what he once was, he can still be very, very solid. He's better against the run, but he can pass rush very nicely. I look at a player like Mozzie Smith, like you were saying, interior presence. I think we'll see now him be a very solid run stuffer. But I think the reason why I'm picking Micah Parsons is he's now going to be going full on pass rusher. And I think that is massive. He's finally going to be not playing off ball as much like he was early on in his first two years. I think he now has his conditioning set up to be a full time pass rusher. I think he's going to have a ton of opportunities. And while I don't see the Cowboys playing phenomenal, I have them win or I have Micah Parsons winning defensive player of the year. What are your thoughts? You know, it, it was kind of a three way tie for me between Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett and Max Crosby. At the end of the day, I I'm looking at the betting odds and Parsons is the highest at plus 450 for odds. I think after kind of thinking about it a little bit, I'm going to have to go, I agree with you on Micah Parsons, just because I think he's going to be, a, he's going to have a lot more chances as a full-time pass rusher, or at least 95% pass rusher, instead of being like a 70-30 or 65-35 split. I think he's not going to challenge Michael Strahan or TJ Watt's sack record, but if he gets 18, 18 and a half sacks, I could see it. I don't think he's going to reach 20, but... If we're talking 17 to 18 sacks, yeah, I can easily see it happening. And I think he is. He's just going to refine his craft and show people that he he deserves to be the number one pass rusher, if not up, if not talked about as the number one pass rusher only going into his third year. Yeah, and I like that. I like those odds. I really do. I like the ability that he's going to be bringing and I could see him really, really establishing himself as potentially the best defensive player in football. But Jake, now we have to get to it. Who is your MVP of the league this year? <sighs> My MVP is 
just going to be... I think this is the year that we see Justin Herbert kind of put it all together. I still think they're going to get molly whopped in the playoffs. I had them losing in the divisional, but I think Herbert with Kellen Moore, it's literally fitting a key in a lock and you're just unlocking a goal, uh, unlocking the treasure room. I think that with the the ad of Quentin with Quentin Johnson as well. Oh, dude, this freaking offense is going to be scary and so beautiful herbert i i have him throwing for almost five thousand yards if not over five thousand and probably 40 to 45 touchdowns well i love that pick i think justin herbert is going to have a phenomenal year especially because of the fact that he now has a offensive coordinator who is going to unlock this offense and he is going to open things up and i think that is a very very good pick I mentioned it last episode. I am picking Trevor Lawrence. And while I do like your blonde quarterback, (laughs) I got to go with Sunshine. The reason why is because I think that the Jags have a chance to get the number one seed in the AFC. I look at this offense. I think Calvin Ridley is going to be an absolute problem for any defense they play. Zay Jones is going to be decent but he's now at the three which is what he is you have christian kirk who performed beautifully last year but he's now going to be moving into his role of a two i think calvin ridley is going to make all the difference and give trevor lawrence that bona fide number one receiver that he really hasn't had in his first two years and i think this o-line while i do have a couple issues due to the suspension and on of their left tackle i think what i'm going to be looking at mainly is they're going to be putting up points galore especially because they can now run the ball very well with travis Etienne and tanks tank bigsby i absolutely love their schedule as well and so that's why i have to go with trevor lawrence as my mvp and for final for the final one jake comeback player of the year i think you and i both know who if demar hamlin plays one snap he is pretty much guaranteed he literally faced a life-threatening heart issue on the field last year against the Bengals in week 17 i think that it's phenomenal that he can even still play football at this elite level. I think it's a miracle, and that guy is amazing. He's a tough son of a bitch. And I think when he does win it, he needs to bring that medical team that saved him onto there and say, like, hey, these guys are the reason I'm here. And I don't doubt that that could potentially happen, you know, when they do the awards ceremony at NFL Honors. I, yeah, it's Damar Hamlin. If he plays one snap, it's going to be him. And when you have an event, when you have a life-threatening event that you literally watch live right in front of your eyes, it is, it's shocking. I remember I was watching that game and I remember leaving this leaving the NFL app while I was watching it and and I left for a moment and then I saw that the game had stopped and then when I saw what happened I was just shocked and so the fact that he was able to come back from that I think yeah I think honestly I've heard a few people say this as well 
I think that it is very possible that we could see the award renamed to the Damar Hamlin Comeback Player of the Year, and mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would have an issue with it. But Jake, oh, as easily. But Jake, as we're coming to the end of this, any final thoughts that you have as we kickstart week one of the NFL season? Just, I'm glad football is finally back and we get another six months of happiness and let's hope the league stays injury-free and we don't see any major incidences. I do have one question for you, though. By all means. Like I said earlier, on this podcast, me and Adam love our Dark Horse picks. I want you to pick a Dark Horse MVP because there's always a Dark Horse MVP pick, kind of like we had... Lamar Jackson, the betting odds on him becoming MVP in the second year were massive against him. He got it. So who is your dark horse MVP pick? Well, my other MVP pick before Trevor Lawrence was actually going to be Lamar Jackson, but I do have one and it is actually going to be Tyreek Hill. And the reason why is because he has Like I said, he openly declared he wants 2K, 2,000 yards. It would break the record set by Calvin Johnson. I think that it is possible. I think it is also very hard. But if this Miami offense looks like what we think it could look like and have them potentially win that division, I absolutely think that they can. If he gets 2K, I don't see how you don't pick him for MVP. I know a lot of people thought that Cooper Cup should have been, and I I would not have been upset had he won it. Obviously, you know, Aaron Rodgers won it. Big surprise. It's a quarterback award now. But I would go with Tyreek Hill if he breaks that record. Who is yours, Jake? So before I say mine, I'm looking at the betting odds. Tyreek Hill, most betting sites have him as a plus 15,000 for odds to become MVP. Mine is only sitting at plus 5,000 and it is a quarterback. I think we're gonna see Porn Stash Kirk potentially win MVP. He is my dark horse because you are right, it is a quarterback award. I'm not gonna go so dark horse that a receiver is gonna win it. Running back and quarterback are the two most likely and quarterback is the most valuable position on the field. I like Kirk in this offense. I think their defense is going to suck and they're going to be doing a lot of shootouts, which could lead to Kirk getting some monstrous stats. Win-loss record, eh, probably 9-8, and 10-7. They're going to be a close to 500 team. But I think Kirk can show a lot of promise with the amount of opportunities he's going to have. And we both talked about this off, off mic. We love the Jordan, the Jordan Addison pick. We all know Justin Jefferson as Justin Jefferson. And I think getting a full year with a top five tight end, I think it's only going to help Kirk. And I think Darasaw coming back as well is just going to help him even more. That's very fair. I like that Dark Horse pick. I think if Kirk Cousins does win it, uh, that will definitely silence a lot of doubters. And I think we will definitely be hearing a lot of you like that. And I think mm-hmm. it'll I think it'll probably give Kirk Cousins even more fans like the quarterback Netflix show did. But my final thoughts are it is gonna be it is great to have football fat it, it football back. I love the fact that we now have as it gets colder, we have something to chill inside, enjoy, maybe, you know, get some 
soup, some whiskey, some coffee, whatever you enjoy, and just sit back and enjoy football. But I think my final, final thought is this. With now having a lot of big contracts taken care of, obviously Nick Bosa got paid. And now you also have Burrow with his five-year $275 million contract, which we didn't get to, but my thoughts are obviously deserved. I look at this now, and I think that moving into this offseason, little foreshadowing, I think we might see some big names moving around maybe kirk cousins to the niners i mean they're the team that's most linked to them yeah but of course that's an off-season story that's gonna be the end of episode two of run past the brain cell make sure to check us out on spotify apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts wherever you get podcasts and hey make sure to rate us five stars and hey maybe leave a review well we might end up reading some of those but for jake miller I'm Adam Skirko, and we'll see you next time.